Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Dearest Jesus, uh, we thank you that you've given us your word, that you used to reveal yourself to us, how good you are despite our sin. We pray that as we hear your word preached, that you would speak through me, I ask, but you would open us up to the words that you would have us hear. Uh, The words that would convict us about the things that need to be different in our life today, and the words of comfort, the truth that's always been the same, your great steadfast love for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Upper story and lower story. If you've been around here at Our Father for a couple of years, maybe these words are familiar to you. Upper story and lower story. I heard them first a few years ago, coined by a pastor by the name of Randy Frazee. The words upper story and lower story. Lower story is life down here on earth. It's, it's day to day. It's uh, paying bills and going to work and shoveling snow and checking the weather for the storm that's about to come and wondering if the trash service is ever going to pick up your cans that are out in front of your curb. That was my problem this week, calling waste management. Oh, Oh, the email that you sent me yesterday, that was about three days ago before that. You know, it's life down here on earth. That's our story, the lower story. But the upper story is God's story. In the middle of all of the mess of this world and our broken creation and our mess of our own lives, God is at work, and he's been at work for generations and centuries before to bring about your salvation through the death of his son Jesus on the cross, that in his sovereign wisdom and power, he is moving the events of history so that you could know him and love him and belong to him by grace forever. The upper story is God's story. And we find them both today in Matthew chapter 27. In our gospel reading, in the true story of Pontius Pilate. Pilate shows up, he goes to work one day, and he has to hear the case of Jesus of Nazareth and pronounce a a judgment that will determine the fate of his life. And he's in the middle of a very difficult decision. We're going to take a look at that in just a minute. But yet, through... The free will of Pilate, God, in the upper story, is working through Pilate's decision and the people and the circumstances and the events around him on that day that we read about just a few moments ago to bring about the salvation of mankind. What I'd like to do over the next few minutes is to take a look at the lower story from Pilate's perspective and the upper story from God's perspective in the true story of Pilate and Jesus. And then finally, we'll pull over and just ask ourselves, how do we live today in the lower story of our lives when life is uncertain and the upper story in the chapter of life that we're living right now seems unclear? Let's first start with Pilate and the lower story from his perspective. Now, uh, what do we know about Pilate? And there are a few things besides just his name that we say. Next to Mary, when we confess our faith in the Apostles' Creed, as we do every week, he is the only historical figure whose name we repeat generations and centuries and thousands of years later. But who is Pilate beyond this guy that we read about here in Matthew chapter 27? And there are a couple of things that we know. Uh, We know that Pilate was... uh, 
the governor of the region of Judea in the Roman Empire between the years 26 AD and 36 AD. And his time ends about 36 AD, probably because he used excessive force to put down a Sumerian revolt. And a successive, excessive force for a Roman governor would have, must have been a lot. He's recalled to Rome during the reign of Tiberius Caesar. We know also that he had the authority to authorize capital punishment. That's why the chief priests and teachers of the law appeal to him. He's later recalled to Rome, as I mentioned, and the post that he has as he wakes up this day in where we meet him in Matthew chapter 27 is not a prestigious place to serve as a governor. It's not among the highest places that would have been among the lowest places to be appointed to serve. Here's a famous painting by Antonio Ciceri, but he's mentioned in history, Pontius Pilate is, by Josephus, the Jewish historian, and Tacitus, the Roman historian, about 100 years later, says this, Christus, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. This is what we know about Pilate from history. And from the Gospels, it is clear that he is unsure about what to do with Jesus of Nazareth. He has this sense that he may be innocent. We hear that as he appeals to the crowd at the end of our reading in Matthew chapter 27. And his wife warns him because she's had this dream. Uh, in Luke, Luke's Gospel also tells us that he sends him to Herod, and Herod sends him back. And it was a custom at the time during the Passover feast that the Roman governor would offer up one other criminal to the choice of the crowd. It's almost as if he's trying to let Jesus go free because he's unsure about what to do. His plan backfires on him when the crowd chooses Barabbas instead of Jesus. And if Pilate sets Jesus free, The crowd turns against him, which is the last thing that you would have wanted if you were a Roman governor, to put down a revolt. And so Pilate chooses instead to exercise his own free will to release Barabbas and to have Jesus executed despite his innocence. He's done his job, he washes his hands, he goes home, wakes up again, and lives life again the next day. That's what he knows, but little does Pilate know that based on his choice, his name will be spoken out loud by followers of the risen Jesus of Nazareth 2,000 years later every single week. Little does he know. Which is a lot like our lives today, too, in the lower story that we're living right now. Together today, we have no idea what our future may hold or how long people will be saying our name after we're gone. You know, we can only see into our future about as far as we can stick our hand in front of our face, maybe a few hours at best. Kind of like the weather forecast. At best. And I think that's part of what has made the last year so jarring for us has been the unpredictability of it all. And the question marks that still linger, how much longer 
till we can see our family members. When am I going to get my shot? And, and when were we going to be able to take off masks and sit closer to each other again? It's life in the lower story. But, but that's what brings us back to Pilate again and to take a look at this true story from the perspective of the upper story. Because what Pilate doesn't know Is it through his decision and his own free will that God is orchestrating the events of history for the salvation of humankind? That he is using all of the circumstances and all of the people who are present that night, the cry of the crowd and the surrender of his son Jesus and the power of Pontius Pilate to arrange the salvation of humankind so that you could be here today. Through the free will of Pontius Pilate, God in his sovereign power and wisdom and majesty is orchestrating the death of his son, Jesus Christ, for your sake. And so do you see that the upper story is about way more than a happy ending to the chapter of the story that you're living right now. Because while it matters to him, it pales in comparison to what he has done through his son Jesus, by his death, by his resurrection, so that you could belong to him by grace forever and be called his son, to be called his daughter and belong to him as a part of his family forever. It matters way more than a happy ending to the chapter of the story that you're living right now. And do you see that he has already, in the story of your life, orchestrated the events of history in family members and generations and people who have gone before you so that you could sit here today and belong to him forever? That there is someone who brought you to a baptismal font like this. And there is someone in your life, in your story, who shared with you the story of Jesus, who brought you to Sunday school, who taught you the scriptures, who opened them up to you. There is somebody who had coffee with you in a time when your life was difficult and hard in a dark chapter in the story of your life. That God, though he has been orchestrating the events of history through the death and resurrection of his son Jesus Christ in the story of your life, has used people and friends and parents and pastors and teachers so that you could know Jesus and belong to Jesus forever. He has already not just been involved in history in general, but he has been involved in your story. May we not take that for granted today. Are you making a list right now and you're remembering the faces and the names of the people who have made a difference for you? That's the upper story from God's perspective in the true story of Pontius Pilate. So let's spend our time as we close just talking about how we live today down here in the lower story. When life is uncertain and it may be unclear what God is up to in the story of our life, how do we move forward when life is uncertain and turn the page from day to day and wake up again and do it all over again. Well, there are three things I want to just offer to you. Of these three, which is the three that you need to hear today? The first is to trust the promise. Second, 
to surrender the pen, and three, to see the end. First, to trust the promise. Now, chances are, in the chapter of your life and the story that you're living right now, there's a series of events that have been connected, a season that you're in right now. What's the heading of the chapter in the story that you're living right now? Because for some of us, the heading in the chapter and the story that we're living today is the word return. Maybe that's the heading of the chapter that you're living right now. And you're wondering when things are going to get back to normal because they're starting to, to kind of get to be a little bit like they were about a year ago and seeing people that you haven't seen in a long time and doing the kinds of things that you used to do before, maybe to be able to travel again, to see loved ones. For some of us, the heading of the chapter and the story that we're living right now is the word return. And for some of us who are here right now, the heading of the chapter and the story that we're living right now it says relief. You know, finally, this country is getting back to the way that it always should have been. And some of us, it's fear. And, oh no, where is this country going? And for some of us who are here, the heading of the chapter in the story that we're living right now is not a return to what we had, but it's the beginning of something brand new that in the last few months, God seems to have been better than we deserve or better than we expect and is opening new opportunities for us. What's the heading of the chapter in the story that you're living today? Maybe it's one of those. Maybe it's more than one of those. Maybe it's one other of that's not one of those. No matter what the heading is, what's true about all of us who are in the room today is that we don't know much about how our chapters will end. Because we could turn the page tomorrow and it could all change. And what's good could be gone. And what's bad right now could get much, much worse. And despite the fact that we don't know how the, our chapters and the story of life that we're living right now may end into our lives, into our story, breaks a word of truth, a word of hope, a word of promise, where God says through Paul in his letter to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, for we know that for that God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose in all things. God works for the good of those who love him. Not some things, and we may not know how he may work for the good, but we know that he will, that we can cling to his promise when life is uncertain. And we may not know how he will work out the good, but we know who is with us in each of those moments. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, I am with you always to the very end of the age. David says as he prays in Psalm 23, for you are with me in the valley of the shadow of death. And though we may not know how our chapters and we always know who is with us trust his promise today because he's always with you that's number one trust the promise number two to surrender the pen and to give up your need to write the ending that you think you deserve because the pen is where it always has been in his hands, never really in yours or in mine. And despite the fact that we would love to have more control over the circumstances of our life, maybe today for you is an opportunity to give up the pen to the one who's always had it in his hand and to let him write a better ending to your story than you would write for yourself if the pen were in your hands. Surrender the pen.
and give him the control that's always belonged to him as the king who rules and reigns. That's number two. And finally, number three, to see the end. Uh, Adam, our seven-year-old son and I, we've been reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And one chapter every night, uh, about a week ago, we got to the end of chapter 15, where Aslan, the Christ figure, the lion, gives up his life for Edmund, the boy, the traitor. And the picture at the end of the chapter is Aslan, the lion, with his head bowed and his hands behind him, walking to his doom, to his death alongside of the villain, the white witch, who will take his life. And we got to the end of chapter 15, and Adam started asking me, Dad, what's going to happen to Aslan? And I said, well, Adam, he's going to surrender, but it's part of his plan. You know, I've read the book before and trying to reassure him, and, you know, it's late, it's like, it's a school night. But guess what we did that night? We read the next chapter and find, come to find out that Aslan, uh, you know, he rises from the dead and he rules and he reigns and he defeats the witch, which sounds kind of like a story that we've heard before. Am I right? And so uh, a week ago last night, then we watched the movie together, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and we got to that part, right, that dark moment that we were reading about in the book, right before we had decided to continue reading, and Adam turned to me and he said, Dad... I'm not scared, because I know how this part goes. And he turned and we watched the rest of the movie. How true is that for us? We know how the next part goes. We know how the end comes, because we've read the And we know that our stories end with a return. The return of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And when he returns, he won't just bring relief, he will bring peace that passes all understanding. And it won't just last for a short time, it will go on and on forever. And he will get rid of fear and he will make things right and he will make things the way that things were back in the Garden of Eden, the place that our hearts long for them to be. And it won't just be an ending when he comes back at the end. It will be a brand new beginning that goes on and on forever for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Do you see the end? That in Jesus Christ, all of our stories end well. And for that matter, again, it's not just an ending. It's a beginning that goes on and on forever with all those we love who have gone before us in faith. Trust is promise. Surrender the pen and see the end. Because in the lower story, we may not know much, but in the upper story, what we always know is that God in his grace and his sovereignty has arranged the events of history so that you and I could belong to him by grace forever. In the name of Jesus Christ, crucified for you and for me, amen.